It's Monday, October 25th, 2021, and you're listening to episode 581 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is 48 minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. My name's Chad. I'm Brodor. You know what? I think actually today I'm Brodor. Are you? Okay. What, did you hurt yourself? <laughs> I did. <laughs> so I was over at Amy's parents' place, Amy being mm-hmm. my girlfriend, and her, uh, I don't know how much this is my place going to, because there's medical stuff going on, right. but I'll just say that her dad needs some assistance within the home in terms of uh, hardware around the house, sure. the way things are set up and such. And I was helping out with some of that, you know, like the good boyfriend and all. Mm-hmm. And one of the things it was this this chair that it was adjustable. And the way you adjusted it was you push in like a spring-loaded button. And there's then two metal cylinders. There's like a larger metal cylinder and then a smaller metal cylinder inside of that. And so you push down the spring-loaded button and then you can move the smaller cylinder within the larger cylinder until it hits the next adjustment hole and then it pops up there and then you can mm-hmm. either, you know push it down again and move it further in or further out whatever this thing had massive tension on it mm-hmm. like both the button itself had tension so it took a lot of strength to push it down and also it took a quite a bit of strength to move the 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 smaller rod within the larger rod or the larger cylinder so i had my thumb on that button pushed down and had to was pushing really hard on the part i was trying to adjust and I'll, it's like ice in a cup mm-hmm. it's hold 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 and then everybody charge yeah yeah you never get like one little piece of ice yeah. you get nothing 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 and then you're cut you're wearing a mm-hmm. Lady Gaga gown of ice or something. And it was the same thing. It just like all of a sudden all went through and that hole became like a little guillotine for my thumb. So the, and the button that you have to press down can be intersected by a piece of metal in the device? Yes. I mean, it's just without it. you not you, but why would mankind design something? I have like no idea. And her mom was super apologetic. I'm like, this isn't your fault. It's time to blame the designer. Yeah. This should have been done and could have been done a whole lot more easily. So it with... took a chunk out of the tip of your thumb. Yeah. 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 So not I just an ab- I've seen it. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Not just an abrasion or a cut. Yeah. It didn't just it's, cut me. Like, yeah. I, I, this will never grow back. Yeah. It didn't take my thumb off, but no. I, I did lose the tip of my left thumb. Yeah. Um, that's so, gone forever. Yeah. I mean, you need that tip for stuff. <laughs> for, you know? I don't know what stuff, but, well, I need it back eventually to type. Fortunately, it will at least heal over, and the mm-hmm. digit is still usable. It's just yeah. I will forever be missing the tip of that thumb, and it will mm-hmm. lose feeling, you know, and whatever. But So, yeah, today I'm Brodor. Hmm. So. Well, good on you. I'm glad that injury... And you're you glad know, that I got hurt. Avoidable accident is he's, spread among my loved ones. He's yeah. glad that he can share in the experience okay. of, of suffering yeah. and pain. Yeah. yeah. And I'm glad to know you and I have. Yeah. Something to bond. You know what the great irony is? What I'm holding in my other hand is a worry stone, which you're supposed to use by rubbing your thumb in it. Yeah. And now well, you can't. I, yeah. Now no, it's just an endless worry for you. Exactly. At least for my left hand. Yeah. My yeah. right hand is chill. My right, right. hand's calm. 
right hand's on a beach somewhere drinking a drink with an umbrella in it. But right. my left hand is like a New York stock trader. Yeah. This thing is stressed out and about to throw himself in front of yeah, a subway train. He's on a train. three day cocaine bender and the yeah. market just dropped. Exactly. So, <laughs> anyway, what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about conventions, specifically mm-hmm. the fact that we did have a presence. Uh, I was not there, mm. but Phoenix was there and Brodor was there. At, I was not there. at Gen Con and Brodor either did go or are going to work. I so I went to Gen Con. Yeah. I went to Origins mm-hmm. and I went to local Geekway to the West. So three conventions in a few weeks. And, and you're going to I'm going to Gamehole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. So I am I am wow. glutting myself yeah. on conventions. It's, so, it's been delightful. While we're on the topic of conventions, once again, for anyone who missed this on the prior episode or whatnot, Fear the Con is still set up for this coming year. Live and in person. Yeah, live and in person. The reservations are in place for June of 2022, specifically the 16th for the Wing Night slash Social Mixer. And then the game days will actually be the 18th and the 19th. That's a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So you have Sunday to travel back home. Once again, June of 2022, because of the fact this whole thing was funded through Kickstarter, there is no ticketing system. We will have the stuff on Con Planner for setting up your games. There's badges, too. Yeah, and we will be doing badges, I believe. I'll have Wayne confirm that. Mm. But... Yes, there is going to be some stuff where you can sign up and make game reservations and things like that, but there is no ticket price. Admission is fully covered. Right. So, all right. Flipping over to other conventions, let's start with the big one. I want to start with Gen Con. And Brodor, in talking about Gen Con, because of the fact that we're still in or coming off of or whatever the heck, I don't know what's going on with covid But obviously, COVID is a thing, all right? And I knew that going back into the convention season was going to be probably a lot like movie theaters reopening, where there's going to be some hesitation and then maybe a ramp up, and then eventually things start to look normal again. And so my first question for you is, what did attendance look like at Gen Con? So it was certainly thin, relative to previous Gen Cons that I had been to. Now, that's not to say that it was poorly attended, because I don't think that it was poorly attended. I don't know the exact numbers. I haven't looked into it recently, because honestly, I don't care that much in terms of statistically Mm -hmm. where it was compared to last year or years previous. Certainly, they sold fewer tickets deliberately. Yeah, they had uh, a cap, didn't they? Yeah, they did. If, if I'm not mistaken, the number was 50%. Mm-hmm. So they cut the actual gate by 50%. How much of that 50% actually showed up for all four days of, of the show, I don't know. But it was really nice in terms of being able to move around, to buy event tickets on the mm-hmm. spot. To not stand in a line for four hours, not stand in a line for four hours to be able to walk into a restaurant and wait only 20 minutes to get a table sort of thing. All that was really very, very cool. But it was still 
And and again, this might be because I have the juxtaposition of bouncing between Gen Con and then the Keep on the Borderlands LARP event that same weekend. But maybe it was because it was still a large crowd and it was masked. It, it didn't feel exciting and, and, and fun and have the energy. There was still, I don't know, a tension or an mm-hmm. apprehension in the air from people. So, that's what I was going to ask you. Is for a moment, let me try and separate the story from the writer. Was that how you felt? Or did you kind of get a vibe like that's what most people were? Well, and that's where I'm confused. Because when I would go to keep, it was outside. It was sunny. We weren't wearing masks. People are laughing and smiling and talking. Mm-hmm. But at Gen Con, it's inside. People are masked people are deliberately social distancing and there is this weird tension because there are people that i'm uncomfortable being here i'm glad i came to gen con but please keep your distance because i don't want to get sick yeah and then you had the other people who were like my mask literally says i'm wearing this out of protest and i don't believe it works right so you don't know which camp people fell into You weren't Mm -hmm. sure how to engage in those conversations. And so people just kind of felt like people kept to themselves more so. And you guys know me. I mean, I'm pretty gregarious and outgoing. And I mean, I talk to strangers and Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to have a conversation with someone that I don't know about just uh, just about anything, really. It just didn't have it didn't. I don't know. It didn't feel exciting like Mm -hmm. origins did. It just didn't have the same relaxed vibe. But, and I think, and again, I'm not going to name them, but someone who is a name in the industry for sure. I got to talk to them on the street very briefly at origins. And we were talking about a comparison between the two cons. They referred to Gen Con as, and I'm paraphrasing the Batan death March of gaming. And It was interesting because from the perspective of the professional, there's so many meetings and Mm -hmm. so much conversation. And then there's the hustling in the hall. So maybe it was because I'm trying to talk to industry people and I'm trying to eavesdrop on parties Mm -hmm. and going to bars and things like that. Maybe I was picking up on the tension that the industry people were feeling Mm -hmm. and I wasn't paying enough attention to the good time and the vibes of the people that were out on the street and they're simply enjoying games. But you you said that it wasn't that way at origins. It was not. No, I did not feel that way. It is a smaller show There was significantly less tension among the attendees and certainly I felt among vendors. Well, and so, okay, I'm going to start off by saying I wasn't there. I didn't go to Gen Con and I actually haven't been to Gen Con in a couple of years. So, you know, take what I'm about to say with, well, whatever you take anything that I say with, because I don't care. But I was reading a lot about Gen Con this year, separate of talking to Mike here and separate of talking to Phoenix about because they went... I was reading a lot of people's reaction. Now, it is kind of a mixed bag because there's lots of different people who have lots of different opinions. My feel of it, kind of reading about it, is that a lot of people who at least were expressing the opinion really enjoyed Gen Con. Not industry people like you're talking about, but just normal jerk-offs like you and me and everybody else who go there for gaming and to see people and see the dealer hall and maybe go to a couple of panels and play a lot of games. The sense that I got 
from afar was that people really, really liked this Gen Con because there were so few people there. And I don't mean that in a, you know, oh, all gamers are uh, introverts sort of thing. It was a matter of you didn't stand in line for four hours to go to an event. Like you said, you can go up. Oh, here's an interesting event I need a ticket for. I'm going to literally walk up. I'd like a ticket, please. Here's your money. Thank you. And then you go to the event. That's not normal Gen Con. You could walk through the main drag that runs from the dealer hall to like a lot of the gaming areas. In past Gen Cons, and I have been to these, it is pressed flesh. It is literally, you can't move of your own volition and you go with the crowd on the peak times. On the non-peak times, it's just really crowded and you're kind of weaving through a crowd. It was not like there were a lot of people and people were distanced, right. but it was a lot more comfortable. It was a lot more intimate that people were I, saying. I did not. It was so much less congested compared yeah. to previous years that I wore a large backpack, did not hit a single person with my backpack. <laughs> there was enough room to move around that those absolute monsters that bring their double wide strollers to hmm. a convention like that instead of the angels and saints that bring their papoose but these <laughs> monsters that bring their goddamn double wide strollers and i it, there was enough space that i did not feel a compulsion to beat them to death with a claw hammer i was at a con one time i apologize to all parents of twins <laughs> <laughs> triplets now, quadruplets. it's not about having children it's about he going did. it's about going into a car or it's about going into a crowd and bringing something larger yeah. than a goddamn smart car you to take- put your around in no so (laughs) i can't really follow that up i was actually about to do a defense i was about to defend you but now i'm not okay that's fine but anyway i was at a con once because you had mentioned you know for once you wore a big backpack and you can turn around you didn't knock two or three people over yeah i was at a convention one time some vendor hall somewhere i forget what convention it was and people cosplay a lot. Of people cosplay with swords that are like tied up, peace bonded, they call. And I'm standing there and there's this dude. I'm not really paying attention to him. And he's got some costume on and he's got some like cheap mall ninja katana thing. And he turns around. Well, his goddamn sword is hanging like a foot off of him. And it's horizontal, right? Because he's like, I'm a samurai guy. So he's not like jacking it up so that the hilt is parallel with his body it's down like they do in the samurai movies so it's horizontal with his hips well he turns around and whacks me right in the nuts with the end of his goddamn katana ow i'm like what the (laughs) sorry i just really yeah yeah if you're in a big crowd you have to think about it like school you don't run into other kids you don't bowl down the the hallway but you are also more than you if you have accoutrements like right. backpacks and costumes. And yeah, and I usually try not to yeah. wear the backpack, but I was carrying recording equipment with me, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to have access to extra batteries and shit like that. But I, I, I try not to. But but yeah, you could move around. But there were plenty of open spots on the vendor floor for people that didn't show up. Mm-hmm. But what was interesting to me is that 
large companies like, well, I mean, you didn't have Asmodee show mm-hmm. up, which whatever, right? A lot of West Coast and European based companies didn't show up because they're t- treating COVIDly a lot more seriously than some of the other people in the country and in the world, whatever. But Wizard, we had a Gen Con without Wizards of the Coast, right? So yeah. no official D and D. No, you did know, they send like signs? You know how they have those big styrofoam statues and stuff. Did they send? Them? No, nothing, wow. nothing. So they Not had even they had no presence. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Paizo also absent? Paizo was not there as well. So here's here's my. So thing. at least from the RPG side, you've cut off the top like seventy five to eighty percent of the product market. Right. So you which must be amazing if you're an indie game designer and show up. So here's the interesting yeah. thing is that even though for the professionals, it's still a very, very hectic show for the consumer. It was interesting because I didn't have a big Watsi release or a big Paizo release or a big release from another company that really drew me to the show. But I had the opportunity to spend a little bit more time with the smaller press people so I could spend a lot of time with Green Ronin. I could spend a lot of time with Chaosium. Because those big draws weren't there, I had other stuff to focus on, Mm -hmm. which for me as an audience member, as an attendee, I thought was much more interesting to see a a broader diversity focusing on, and forgive me for sounding derogatory, I'm just framing it this way, a second tier or third tier game when you don't have your first tier, you know, 800 pound gorillas Mm -hmm. at the convention. Even even Games Workshop, which had a really cool presence, their presence really was about getting their product in front of people who weren't familiar with it, yeah. as opposed to catering to a base. Mm. It, was, it was interesting. So hmm. let me ask you about something that sort of draws those two topics together about the missing first tier, but also the lower overall attendance. Did it seem like the people in attendance had better access to the people creating the games? Yes. Yeah. Without question. Because as someone who's a pseudo journalist, I had better access to people creating games. Yeah. I had better access to people on the vendor floor. Hmm. People had more time to dedicate to you. Had this been a normal Gen Con, I think it would have been a wasted trip for me because I really wouldn't have had the opportunity to talk to people to the degree or in depth like I did this time around. And I got much more of that at Origins. In fact, I think next year, I think I'm only going to do Gen Con two days and I'm going to go to Origins and try to go the trade day in addition. But we're not talking about Origins. We're talking about Gen Con. Let me let me ask you a question. Brodor is elected president of the universe. Okay. What he says goes. Wow. And you also have the magic power of you snap your fingers. COVID is gone. Boom. Never right. happened. Right. Knowing what you know now, would you make the Imperial Brodorian decision that Gen Con maybe just is too big? Maybe Gen Con needs to be broken up a bit? Or would Bro- would Emperor yeah, would Brodor you, want would, the return of a bigger, better Gen Con? Would you Thanos snap the Gen Con right. attendees? I, I would, would <laughs> have perfect. I would not. I would not. I would not do that. And here's yeah. and here's why. Mm-hmm. As a shopper, as somebody who wants to hear the hot goss and see the brand new thing, right? And to revel in mm-hmm. the new shiny 
and the orgy of greed that <laughs> is the consumerism yeah. of Gen Con shopping Mecca, right? It's I, pretty crazy. I that. Yeah. love that, right? I like downtown Indy. Yeah. I have a good time. I like going and being among gamers. I like the shopping. I like seeing the new stuff. Now, Gen Con for me, it's not my favorite show to game at. It's not my favorite show to go and spectate gaming at, to be a voyeur. It's hard. There's a lot of people. Well, there's there's a lot of people. There's so much going on. And because it's so departmentalized, mm -hmm. it's much more challenging to sort of experience the entirety mm -hmm. of the show, right? So you can go and you can indulge your particular niche or, you know, yeah. niches, whatever, but it's hard to take it all in because it's right. so I would big. say it's almost the the two years I went, three years, I guess, it's almost impossible to take it all in. And I really see your point of a smaller Gen Con is not a better Gen Con, though. Right. Because like you said, it, it's you you love the big flashy booth, the big releases, the big industry names there. If it's a small con, they're not there. Right. They're not going to show up. It's not that it's not worth their time. It's a business it's not worth the marketing dollars. They won't get the return on investment. Well, and you need a huge con to have a huge booth and a giant styrofoam dragon. Right. And there are a lot of companies who work the convention circuit who make a good portion of their sales at the vendor hall at Gen Con. Hmm. Now, some of those same retailers, not many, but some were also at Origins. And some will even again be, there'll be some crossover at Game Hole Con. But really, where you're going to make your nut is selling at a place like Gen Con. Mm -hmm. So what I'm curious about is, after the fact, with the lower attendance numbers, I wonder how some of these companies did. I spoke to one guy off the record who was really disappointed. And I know mm -hmm. that his company in particular at a show like Gen Con, they're going to make 30% of their wow. gross sales in that one four day wow. period. That's like Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. And so having a low attendance lower than they anticipated. Mm -hmm. And at the time, Speaking to vendors and to other people who were there exhibiting at the show, Gen Con was pretty tight-lipped about the attendance numbers. Yeah. At least at the time. Right. Is and Gen Con usually tight-lipped about or do they blast that? You know, it's usually pretty easy to find out after yeah. the fact. Now, again, I haven't dug because I came home from Gen Con and then we did a big sale for as we're moving, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 big yard sale, yada, 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 yada. So I haven't even gone through all my Origins audio yet, but... It was very nice for me to be among gamers again. Yeah. Right. And to see people out and gaming, but it still felt, I don't know, you know what it was? And this is just my experience. Mm -hmm. So you walk into Gen Con and there are two signs, like every fucking door, like every other door, masks required harassment will not be tolerated like mm -hmm. everywhere you go it was i mean great good we should wear our masks and yeah. we shouldn't harass people totally on board uh, great but i don't know it just i felt a tension yeah right and signs and, signs everywhere signs yeah, yeah and it was interesting because juxtaposed to going to origins which had the same masking requirement yeah. because there weren't signs everywhere 
reminding you of the mask and reminding you to be on your best behavior. And because it was smaller still, it just felt more relaxed. Mm -hmm. I just had a better time. That's an angle I hadn't really considered is that you can have good rules, but the more that you talk about them and the more that you remind people of them, you kind of remind them of why the rules in place, you sort of create a sense of, I don't know, it would be like, imagine if you go into a public park and all over the place are signs warning you that copperheads are native to Missouri. It's like going to a public swimming pool, right? Yeah. So there's sign up public swimming pool says no running around the pool. You know what? You, me, Mike here, we're all reasonable people. And we all were kids and stuff. And we know that, uh, yeah, it's all concrete and everything's wet. And if you run around this pool, you're going to trip on somebody. You're going to slip on the water. You're going to crack your head open and your brains are going to be on the pavement. Yeah. We know this. The sign tells us and we're like, yeah, that's a good sign. That sign needs to be there. There's a lifeguard who, if they see someone running, they stop them. And we're like, yes, that's good. I can actually relax because I'm not going to see someone spill their brains all over the pavement. I want the lifeguard there telling people to stop. I want the sign there, and I want the knowledge in myself to stop it as well. What Mike is talking about is every single bench, chair, and whatnot has a sign on it that says do not run. Every five feet is a lifeguard stopping and telling everyone do not run. Now, that has not changed my opinion one iota on running around a wet pool. That's a stupid idea. Only kids do that or idiots. Yeah. But in one situation, I'm relaxed and having fun. And the other one, I'm not really thinking about it, but I'm kind of thinking about maybe going home and getting some lunch. Yeah. You know, another thing it's reminding me of, this was a real lived experience. This Mm -hmm. is not a what if. One of the times I went to Jamaica, when I got there, the place where we arrived was surrounded by like, kind of like an eight or nine foot tall iron spiked fence that was being patrolled by people who were carrying what I think were Heckler and Coke G3s. And Fernando doesn't know what that is. Oh, I have a boner right now. That's You uh, can't afford that boner. I know. No, I cannot <laughs> afford that boner, but I'll sell a f- kidney. That's a, that's a military style. It's meant for military use rifle. Is, yeah. But from the moment I saw that, right. Mm-hmm. It changed the tenor of right. my visit. And now my dad has a story. He was a salesman all through the 80s and through the 90s. And golf is the, uh, you know, that's where the deals are made. And you take clients out, you take them on trips, take them on golf trips, that sort of thing. And uh, so, yeah, he's been to Mexico a lot. And he was at a resort in Mexico. And he's, he's telling me the story. He's like, oh, yeah, occasionally you'll see an alligator or something or big scary snake playing on a beautiful golf course on a beautiful resort, beautiful Mexico. And, uh, but he's like, yeah, you see, you see alligators and snakes and all kind of crazy stuff in Florida or wherever. He's like, you're setting up for a putt and you're, you know, you got to relax, got to focus, got your eye on the ball. All of a sudden a dude in military fatigues walks out of the bushes carrying an Uzi (laughs) and Uzi. Yeah. And he just is standing there and he watches you this take the eighties. This is the eighties. Okay. He watches you take, I just based on the, based on the fire. Right. Him. He watches you take the putt, like interested, just hanging out, got a fully automatic submachine gun yeah. and watches you. Well, 
suddenly you're like, whoa. And this is not like some criminal. I mean, the guy's in a military, you know, for private security. They, he kind of follows them, you know, down the hall. They all take their putts. And so the guys who, you know, already took their swing, talk to the guy like, hey, uh, you know, that's some pretty heavy hardware. You know, what's that for? For alligators or something? And he smiles at him through his mirrored sunglasses, pats the gun and says, is for banditos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's exactly. Like, so, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and suddenly, you know, you, you add a few strokes to your golf game. Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, You don't I mean, hate golf. You don't hate the guy. You're actually really, really glad he's there. You kind of feel sad about the situation, but you add a few strokes to your golf game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I will say this, though. I'm going to sound a bit paranoid and, and negative and maybe sky is folly, right? A certain part of me thinks that Paizo, Wizards of the Coast... Mm-hmm larger companies i mean no asmo day means no fantasy flight right i mean there was a time where fantasy flight had an enormous footprint at gen con and there was a huge new release and you used to see companies like privateer press Mm -hmm. even malifaux which had a decent presence there did not have the presence that they did a few years ago but i think some of the larger companies honestly recognize especially companies like watsi I don't think they need the convention circuit anymore. Mm. You know, they not not just Gen Con, the circuit. Yeah, I don't. If you don't go to Gen Con and you don't go to PAX Unplugged, Mm. do you need conventions? I mean, is that an important part of what it is that you do? I mean, if you're a small board, like I know a guy named named Mike Ritchie uh, with Rather Dashing Games. The con circuit's important to a company like that. Yeah. I think the con circuit's important certainly to the indie press revolution and the independent game design network mm-hmm. and Atlas Games. And, and K- people selling role-playing and, and board game accessories, right. adjacent businesses, dice bags, dice, whatever. Yeah, the the, your, yeah. your, your chess X and yeah. et cetera. And all the other dice companies, who am I forgetting? And all the Miniatures, other drama. Paints, exactly. Brush, yeah. But, but if you make D and D, well, dude, everybody knows that it's in right. Barnes and Noble. You don't need to spend the money, yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars on a giant booth. But the other thing is with Watsi not owning it anymore and Peter Atkinson owning it and it being a separate entity from Watsi, Maybe they just don't think the investment's necessary. I really believe that. I really think that some bean counters have figured mm-hmm. out that we don't need that anymore. Now, with that said, in my experience as a retailer, I have long believed that Wizards of the Coast, and I think there's plenty of evidence to support this, doesn't want to be part of the hobby industry in terms of they see themselves as being better than the hobby industry. No. But... Well, from a marketing standpoint, too, what is going to have a bigger impact? Doing the con circuit and spending the money on that in all cons where you are preaching to the converted. There are very, very few people who do not know what a a Euro-style board game is or a role-playing game is who is walking through the doors of a convention. There, There will be, but it's very, very tiny. Do you spend your money on that? And you're not selling a product. This is marketing. It's pure marketing. You spend your money on that, or do you spend a little bit more money and get a product placement in a popular TV show or movie? Do you have a nerdy Marvel character rolling dice for 
eight and a half seconds on screen of a major Marvel release or on a popular TV show. From my perspective to my thinking, yeah, if we could do both, great, because there is value in fan outreach, but so much community management is online and it is part of a continual engagement of Twitter and social media stuff and forums and Twitch sort of events and that sort of thing. You know what? Maybe, I mean, that's a perspective too, that maybe I thought Gen Con was weird because I'm butthurt because it's different than it used to be. Right. Like I mean, it was not, you probably are, but <laughs> it, it was not the show that I remember it being and not because of the lower attendance and not because mm-hmm. of COVID, but because of, the makeup of exhibitors, the people that were vending, the presentations that were done, it was very, very different. And it didn't yeah. feel, I can't say that it felt wrong. It just didn't, it just wasn't the same and I didn't like it as much. And it think, felt, it, I don't know, it felt ugly and standoffish. Think, well, to put a particular word on it was the fact that it wasn't a spectacle. Yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with it, is that it wasn't a spectacle. It was just kind of, hey, we're here and it's Gen Con and isn't it great to be back together, right? But there was an, an apprehension, a tension, like people weren't, I don't know, like they weren't ready to relax yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of it this way, too, because I don't really think of Gen Con or any con in the sense of sales, right? I, I don't think of it as, oh, a company is pushing a product and... Like you said, they make 30%, some companies make 30% of their profit at a con or whatever. Uh, obviously, they do. And, and I think that's great. It's just not how I think of it. I think of cons and corporations, companies that make these different kind of games. This is marketing for them. This is very 70s, very 80s, maybe 90s sort of thing. And I think that things are kind of different now. Think of a video game. Right now, obviously, a, a board game and a tabletop role playing game, they're, they're different experiences, but they're similar in some ways from a marketing standpoint, from a, an art creative product standpoint. It's not a widget you're stamping out of a machine. You, you have artists and writers and creatives making a creative product and you have creative marketing people selling it. So I play this game called Satisfactory. I won't go into what it is. You can look it up. It's a video game. It's it's a video game. and It's uh, mediocre. It's really, really good. But like I said, I'm not going to get into what it is. But I will get into the marketing of it. All right? So Satisfactory is made by a company named Coffee Stain. Coffee Stain's over in Europe. That doesn't really matter. Because I think Asmodee is a European company, too. Mm -hmm. And most of the Euro board games are... I don't know, Euro? Euro board games? Stop. I know. But... (laughs) So they don't do conventions. Now, maybe they do. Maybe there's like a video game convention, but I don't think so. But they don't do conventions. They don't do Gen Con. They don't do a video game version of Gen Con. But the reason I bring Satisfactory up is because they have an amazing community engagement. And from a marketing standpoint, that's very, very important. It's not just hey, they run a Twitter feed and they have some millennial who has a communications degree do their Insta, their Snap, and their Twitter and maybe occasionally make a post on Facebook for their 50 old people who still use Facebook. But what they do is they put out a video on YouTube every Friday. And then that video is like, 
this is what we're doing and this is what's coming out. And hey, it's the same per- same one or two people who are on the video all the time. These are the community men. These are the fa- this is the face you put with the product and you like the face and the person. And so you would start associating that with products, community management's about. And they're telling you, good, that here is what is coming. Here's these features. Hey, these people who are our fans told us about this, and now we're putting that in the game. The convention used to be the place right. to do that. Yeah, It is no longer. They do, I think once a month, they do the dev stream. Now, this is a couple of their devs and a couple of their community managers where they do a build of the game and it's like on Twitch and they're live streaming it and they're answering questions in the chat and they have the people who make the game. They have the people who who program it, who design it, who do the art on it, who do the music on it at different points and on different streams and people in the chat will ask them, you don't have to wait a year. You don't have to buy a ticket. You don't have to buy a plane ticket. You don't have to pay any money. But you are interested in the music of this game. And on this dev stream, they're having the composer. You jump on the chat and you're asking questions. Now you're there with like 5,000 of your closest internet strangers. And they're looking at chat and they say, oh, hey, Brodor69 wanted to know where we got the idea for this piece of music from. Well, Brodor69, we got this idea from this and that. And you're like, ah, they know me. Well, you know, at, at the con experience, you get to talk to x person who wrote the hey i shook so-and-so's hand i got a picture with him and he signed my book and that's so cool it's the same experience it, it's the same visceral feeling the connection that marketing is trying to build when they're building a community yeah it's just this is the new way of doing it this, I, I think the one advantage i see to conventions and what you're saying well, is totally correct the huge advantage of a convention is there is no changing physical face-to-face contact, shaking someone's hand, looking them in the eye. You cannot change Right, exactly. And I I think you're absolutely right in that community engagement no longer has to occur at a convention, which, say, yeah, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, -hmm. that was really by far and away the best way to get it done. But there is one thing I still get out of conventions, accidental engagement Mm -hmm. discovery it's walking through and finding some hidden gem in a back corner of a company or a game that i didn't even know existed and yes i realize you can link wander online and maybe that happens but as awesome as what you just described is you know these Mm -hmm. dev streams for satisfactory Mm -hmm. how likely am i just wandering the internet to end up in a dev stream for a video game that I know what it's about, yeah. but I don't personally own it or play it. Or... So I can actually kind of answer that question because I worked for a couple of marketing companies. Yeah. And now I'm not a marketer. I don't have a communications degree. I work in IT, right? And so I've worked in a couple of different industries. And the thing about, and Dan, you know this very much, is that when you work in IT, the sausage is all made the same. It's all the same thing on the back end. Yeah. Right. But you have to learn a little bit about your industry that you're doing it for. So you can understand how to help them and engage them and all that sort of stuff. Well, I've worked for two different product management companies and basically directly for their marketing department. So I had to learn a little bit about marketing. And the one I worked for was when 
social media exploded. I mean, I'm not talking like Facebook when you had to have an EDU address and get in it and there was no such thing as Twitter was something birds did. This was when it exploded. I worked for a major brand management company and I did their, their marketing websites as well. I'm, I maintained and built it. Some of these websites are still up today. At least the infrastructure that I made is still on it. Anyway, you don't stumble on the dev stream. That's the thing. Yeah. What you do is you use Dan Reppinger, you use social media. Yeah. You have a couple of Twitter accounts, a Facebook account. I'm just going to say, maybe, you know, you have an Instagram account. I don't know if you do or not. Uh, you have an Instagram account, whatever, right? So these companies have tools, and these tools will look at when someone says something that relates to their brand or their product, it will tell them, hey, you just got mentioned, but it does more than that. It creates this whole, these tools that they have that, that, that you don't see, the consumers never see this, gives them an entire map of where this came from. It's not somebody just made a tweet about item X. It is so-and-so made a tweet about item X because they saw someone they like do a YouTube video about it. That person did the YouTube video about it because this influencer said this thing on this other platform that was adjacent to it, which then was because we did a market spend in this market on this internet ad, and we can tie it through the whole map, which means that A, B, C, D, E, we can go to this influencer and maybe make some deals with them to where they start pushing out stuff. Satisfactory is a perfect example. Nobody stumbles upon their, their dev stream. But if you hit the right buttons on the YouTube algorithm that you don't even know you're pressing, you will get served up a video of this guy who does video games and does crazy, hilarious stuff with them. He took Satisfactory's big factory building a sandbox, 3D, you can do physics, all this sort of stuff with it. This guy, who is not related to Coffee Stain, did some really funny YouTube videos for it. A couple of these videos went viral because they are actually legitimately funny. And they made it on Reddit. They got retweeted on Twitter. And they hit in just the right way. And people got interested in the game. When you go to Steam, if you buy it from Steam, Steam has a little box on the side that says, Dev Stream Live. Click here if you're interested. Let me just tell you, they have the tools. They don't get to you, Dan. They don't know you, Dan, but they know you. Yeah. And they know how to get to you in a nebulous sense. So, Broder, what we're going to close out on is while you were at the con, what's your con pick? Like, did you see a game or a supplement or a product? Dude, for me, so for, okay, so for Gen Con... Yeah. For Gen Con, it was stat trackers. So it's it's all 5E, all 5th edition D&D stuff with just a smattering of 2nd edition Pathfinder for whatever reason. Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I shouldn't deride Pathfinder 2nd edition. I haven't played, but no one has. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, anyway, so a lot of people for their DM screen, right? 
they will take an index card and they will write the PC name or NPC name yeah. or monster one or ogre or whatever. And they'll fold those little index cards over and then they'll use them across the top of their GM screen to track initiative and things. And so, you know, you can take it off the board if somebody's holding an action or okay. if they yeah. delay, blah, 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 blah. So you can three card Monty or whatever. So this guy, James, this disc genius, what he does is he does these long index card style mm -hmm. things that you fold over the short end. It hangs over the front of your game master screen. So your players see it and it just says whatever Dan's character's name is, you know, you know, schnickel Fritz, right? So mm -hmm. it's got schnickel Fritz on the front. And then on the back of what I see in the game master screen is this long portion of the cardboard tab that has all schnickel Fritz's bullshit. Right. Hmm. So it has his armor class and his saves and his hit points and all his requisite skills. That's cool enough. However, he went through and I forget how many monsters it is in the uh, SRD for mm -hmm. 5e, but he made these for every single monster in the monster manual, right? That was open source. So you can have not just your PCs and have your handwritten in on the blanks of what my buddy's character sheets are but also the individual monsters. So I don't have to look in the goddamned book and they're two sided. So if I need to take it off, if there's so much information about the monster and the monster manual, mm -hmm. I can, instead of having to go and reference the book, like I do with a lot of cheat sheets and stat cards, I just, it turned it around. All the important information about the monster is there on the card. Yeah. It comes in a cool box. It's got everything alphabetized. Fucking metal nice. and the really great thing is is that even though people are talking about sixth edition D, &D it's going to be more than two years before we see that so the stat tracker stuff is still very viable but the thing that originally brought me over to the booth it's a little pad of paper and it's just basically a five by five block of little circles for hit points and then there's 150 circles and then multiple rows mm -hmm. of circles on the piece of paper. And it's got little lines so I can literally like when I'm running, when I'm playing D and D I can be like, well, I know that this ogre has 53 hit points. So I'll make a little box around 53 <laughs> of the little dots. I'll write ogre and then I can just tick them off. Right. <laughs> so you just need little accoutrement for yeah. gaming. His was the best overall display not just in his variety of product but the production value the booth everything really really cool stuff cool. i will see if i can find a link to that and if so i will put it in the show notes i don't know if he's selling this online or not he but. does he does yeah so it I, I i don't remember the website but if you just do a quick google search for stat trackers yeah you'll see all his stuff okay it's pretty i will find slow. that and i'll put a link to that in the show note so once again, Fear the Con, whatever number coming up, June 16th through the 19th, 2022. Uh, we hope to see you guys there. And we hope to see things, the conventions in general, continue to tick back up and uh, get back to some mm -hmm. sense of normalcy. And I guess, obviously, it's up to powers beyond us how that goes. But well, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, we'll be wearing masks at Gen Con next year. We'll be wearing masks and have multiple booster shots at Fear the Con next Good, year. Good, because you ugly. 
I know. <laughs> it's the cold sore. It's stress. All this with the no, with it's the herpes. Well, <laughs> God damn it, you guys! You know I what? Mean, if you want to get real, you know, the thing, toilet the thing seats is, and his licking Here's, here's the them, thing. But. Here's the thing about holes who are pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you guys for tuning in. <laughs> Have a great week and great games, and we will catch you next time. Yeah. This has been a production of Fear the Boot. Copyright 2021. Listeners are free to use this episode in a non-commercial endeavor, so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. If you wish to support this show and its related endeavors, you can do so at patreon.com slash feartheboot.